Everybody sing it with me. Talk Shoe. Recorded live. live. All right. Thank you for joining me, everybody. Uh, welcome to this uh, almost April Fool's edition of Help, I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and tonight I am not joined by my wonderful, intelligent, totally awesome Mac genius uh, co-host, Chris Biting, as it is his anniversary, and he decided to take out with his wife uh, instead of recording a show with me, which I think I could probably understand. And uh, so anyway, because of that, he said he was not going to be able to be here. Now, I would just like to uh, begin with, I guess, maybe what we'll call a little bit of a monologue, uh, just kind of like the the, today, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno or uh, David Letterman or any of those guys. You know how they have the monologue where you open up the show. Well, instead of being funny, I'm just going to tell you about my day. Uh, it's been one of those days. Um, I woke up this morning. I actually had a wonderful morning. Everything was going beautiful. I think I even heard birds chirping in the air. And then all of a sudden, uh, lunch happened. And when at, right after lunch, everything broke down. In fact, I came back from lunch to find out that not only did I not have an Internet connection, but I didn't even have a dial tone. Uh, after seven hours waiting to hear back from the phone company, I finally got a call back about 35 minutes ago, which is about 6.25 p.m., and they did tell me that they can get somebody to help me fix my telephone problem sometime Wednesday morning, which means that uh, I will be without Internet access or a telephone at the house uh, for the next day and a half. So that's wonderful news. Uh, then I decided, okay, well, I recorded two awesome episodes of gspn.tv content. I, I recorded, I think, a very awesome almost daily devotional today, and I'm very much looking forward to putting that out into the feed. And I uh, also recorded this morning in front of a live audience a podcast that was devoted to um, the book 48 Days to the Work You Love because I actually went and worked out this morning and read an entire chapter, came back and recorded a great episode about it. And I decided I was going to upload those after lunch. Well, of course, I had no Internet access. So I decided I'm going to put those on a USB uh, drive, and I'm going to bring those to the library with me today, and I'll upload them here from the library. Well, some other things occurred, and I read some other emails that just completely blew me away, and things that just, you know, I, my, my only plan was to upload those two shows that I recorded this morning to clear out my email inbox, and to come to the library and work for an entire hour, or I'm sorry, for the entire afternoon on setting up my webinar for Podcasting 101. Well, I finally make it to the library, only to find out that when I got here that I forgot to bring my power adapter for my MacBook. So, you know, I figured, oh, great, I'm only going to have about an hour and a half, maybe two and a half hours before the battery goes dead. Well, my wife, being the awesome woman that she is, brings me my MacBook cable or uh, power adapter. So um, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden I got distracted by some of the email that came in and some of the issues related completely to something entirely different, um, a pretty big significant order uh, that I took for equipment order, and I had some issues that came up that needed to be rerouted and and, and just some really – 
awkward, very difficult things to work out as far as the details between two or three different people. And so finally, I got all that worked out. Some other things came up. And here it is, 7.08 p.m. And oh, by the way, uh, just after my wife left, after dropping off the power cable, I did forget to mention that after talking with a couple other people, I finally realized, you know what, I, haven't, I have not yet uploaded those podcast episodes I recorded this morning. I went to go uh, pull out my key USB drive, and sure enough, I didn't even have the, uh, the files on there. I forgot to stick the drive in and copy the files over. So I didn't even have that to work on. So here I am, 7.09 p.m. I have not done a single bit of work towards my podcasting 101 webinar that I was going to do today. I have not done a single bit of research for Help I Got a Mac. Instead, I've been dealing with issues and problems all day long. But here I am at 7.09 p.m., and you guys are here. Uh, you guys are here for the live show, and I am totally psyched about the fact that you're here. In fact, um, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm going to unmute the lines here in just a minute. We're going to have a conversation. I invite you to talk. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk about some Macintosh stuff. And uh, I, you know, the thing is, is it, it, it's been a, one of those crazy Mondays, and I just finished. I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take 10 minutes and make a blog entry on, on my personal blog over at gspn.tv slash plus access, which of course that's only available to, to plus members. But I did go ahead and make a uh, web post and just wanted to get some things off of my chest, really take a, chan take a chance to, to write down all the issues that were just running and buzzing through my head. And it gave me an opportunity to just kind of let off the steam. And then at the end of it, I was able to say, you know what? I'm still a very blessed man considering all the situation where I'm at, and so we're all going, it, it's all going to be fine. And tomorrow is going to be a new day, and it won't be a Monday. So with that, I want to welcome some folks to the show, and we're going to take them in order here uh, uh, from the bottom to the top. And let's see if I can maintain my Internet connection here from the library, which it says service is unavailable. So. That's wonderful. For those of you who are in the chat room, please stand by. I will be able to get the chat room pulled right back up here and unmute you. Uh, so let's try this again. We're going to take Wayne Henderson. Wayne, are you there? I'm here. This is Wayne. Hey, Wayne. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Still a couple hours away from dinner time and wanted to see what's happening on Help I Got a Mac. Well, uh, you are for right now. You are what's happening on help. I got that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so Wayne, tell me. I, you know, I've heard your voice a million times. We've talked a couple times back and forth, at least through voicemails and some other things. And of course, I know that you uh, are the proud owner of a certain uh, Heil PR40 microphone. Uh, yes, I am. And, Purchased uh, that through this uh, great guy named uh, Cliff Ravenscraft. I think his name was. Well, thank you. I, I, I was glad to have you as a customer for that, and glad you're enjoying the mic. So, but let me ask you. I, you said that one, and also a Plus member. Thank you very much for that, by the way. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, so, you mentioned as a Plus member, one of the things that you really enjoy about GSPN.TV, among some of the other things, 
was the, the help I got a Mac show. So tell me about your interest in the Mac. How did you get involved in the Mac? Do you, or how many Macs do you own? <laughs> Not enough. Um, actually, I, I have two. I first got interested uh, by listening to Adam Christensen's uh, MacCast podcast. And about two years ago when I decided to get into podcasting, I bought a, uh, a Mac laptop, uh, the silver one. I forget what it's called. It was the G4. And I've been very happy with that. And just a few months ago, made the plunge and got a 24-inch iMac with the uh, 2 gigabits of RAM. And this is uh, quite a beautiful machine. And so just kind of been involved with the Mac. There's still so much more that I have to learn. So, of course, I listen to this podcast as well. Excellent. So you have one of the G4 Macs, and did you say you have one of the newer ones as well? Yeah, uh, almost brand new iMac. Yeah, I got it about oh. two months ago. Oh, wonderful. So that's a big, huge, gigantic glass front that's just absolutely gorgeous looking. It's very shiny and pretty. Now, even, my wife, even my wife loves to use it. <laughs> well, let me ask you this because a lot of people are considering that, and one of the questions we often get here on Help I Got a Mac is whether or not there's a glare issue on that big, shiny, bright screen. I haven't had any glare problems at all. All I've had is uh, family and friends that come by and go in their way in the other room after coming in the front door and they see it from a distance and they're just, whoa! You know, it, it, it does, uh, there's a window behind the Mac with, with the curtains always closed, but uh, we do have a side window as well, but I've never seen any glare. I'm very happy with this machine. That is awesome. I, I'm glad to hear that. And and so what do you find yourself doing? Now, do you still keep any PCs around? Uh, no, we actually packed up and put away the last PC about a month ago after we got the last of the uh, files off of it. All righty. And so, um, it, okay, so then that means that you pretty much find yourself doing all your computing on the Mac. Now, with your voiceover work that you do and uh, with your podcasting efforts that you're doing, how are you recording those? Uh, those I actually record onto the uh, G4 laptop. And uh, a lot of times I'll just do the editing right on there using Audacity, uh, though I'm about to try to figure out Adobe Audition and go big time. <laughs> but uh, Adobe, um, I'm sorry, the, uh, the free one, Audacity, works great. I've put out some nice sounding things with that. Sometimes I do record everything on my laptop because it's up near the soundproofing area, and then I you know, put the files on a USB and bring them down on the iMac to edit them because this thing's blazing fast when it comes to the editing. It saves me a lot of time. Gotcha. So two questions then that, that kind of lead me into this or continue on this discussion is, uh, number one, um, what about networking? If you, why, why the USB drives? Are, are you not able to network the two together to, to share the drives and, and just swap them right over that way? Not yet, and that's uh, one of my areas of concern. That's uh, okay. the one thing I haven't been able to do yet. I even, when I first got the iMac and tried setting it up, I tried using its built-in assistance and using uh, the wireless network here at the house to try to move all the files over, and it, I just couldn't get it to read on the uh, G4 laptop, so I just gave up and bought a FireWire and went crazy. Okay. You bought a FireWire what? I, uh, just a FireWire cable. Okay. 
Oh, okay, so that you could go back and forth. Okay, so uh, the other question is, is uh, what kind of router are you using that, that it didn't necessarily connect with? And that's the main reason that I'm calling, if you don't mind me mentioning. <laughs> um, the router I'm using at the moment is just the El Cheapo uh, that Verizon DSL gave us uh, for free. It's a modem and router. Uh, it's a uh, GT704WG wireless DSL modem and router. And to be honest, it doesn't have very good range and uh, I'm not very happy with it. So the main, main reason I was calling, uh, I'm interested in making the big jump and maybe getting one of the time capsules from Apple. Okay. But I'd, I'd hate to plug the money down for that and have it not be compatible uh, with extending the range and power of uh, this Verizon unit here. Well, I think Michael Michael King is he wrote in huge gigantic bold capital letters, uh, do not. And let's bring Michael on. Let's let's see what kind of advice he has for you. Michael, go ahead. I've been having hell I've been having hell with my uh time capsule today. I just got good. it. And it keeps crashing on me and uh it's it's working now. Finally, I think, knock on some wood. But I've had hell trying to get it set up, and but it appears to be working now. Just be ready to get it. They uh, have to play with it some to get it to finally work. But when it's working, it's working great, I think, so far. <laughs> that's not too reassuring there, Michael. <laughs> but no, they just... Because it just crashed right before this th room started. It went down. Yeah, that is not good at all. Uh, now, dudes are, are, yeah, are in our chat room. Colin is on the line. Colin says he also just purchased one. Colin, what's your experience been with the time capsule? All right. It doesn't look like Colin's uh, mic is working there. I apologize. Uh, so anyway, um, we'll, I'm going to leave Colin unmuted for just a minute and see if he pulls back up here and, and gets back on the line. And uh, Wayne, can you still hear me? I sure can. Okay, good. Um, I will tell you per my personal preference, and I had the I had the option recently. Yeah, of course, you've you've probably heard all about my wireless issues that I've had, right? Yes, I've tried to use that uh, rough road of yours to try to help me out along mine. Absolutely, there's certainly a lot of documentation that I did and tried and uh, trial and error and tried to fix it all. And I will tell you that, that buying an Apple router certainly fixed 100% of my problems. And uh, oh, it, it is, I, I love it. And I had the option of either purchasing the Time Capsule or the Airport Extreme. And I want to tell you that I chose the Apple Airport Extreme uh, wireless uh, routing hub and stuff. And I, the reason why I chose that is because um, I did not want to have a hard drive that was associated with my wireless router. And in my, in my estimation, those are two separate peripherals. They should not be connected as one because either one of them are peripherals that I think are um, pretty typically after a given period of time are likely to fail. And oh. the, ch the, the chances of both of them failing at the same time if I had separate peripherals would not happen at the same I mean, I don't think it would happen at the same time. 
Oh, that's an excellent point. So, so my my feeling is that okay, hard drive, and, and my real feeling here is that a hard drive, or I'm sorry, the uh, the airport extreme. In my estimation, I'm thinking that thing should last me no less than five to eight, or even ten or fifteen years. I really believe it should last that long, and the reason I believe that is because the wireless B router that I had recently lasted me eight years before it started going on the fritz. So, okay. so, so I think that those things can last multiple years. Hard drives, however, are something that I see lasting anywhere between three to five years with, with significant use. And, and especially, especially when it comes to external ones that you know, get started up and then you don't use them forever and then they start up again. So my, my understanding is that you know, I'm going to have to replace that external drive eventually, and it's just there for backup. And if that drive goes down, I want to be able to just go to the store, pick up another cheap hard drive, which, by the way, you know, a gigabyte in three years from now, uh, when that thing would crash, you, know, you probably put, pick up uh, not a gigabyte, but 100 gigs or a terabyte drive or whatever it is. Um, you'd be able to pick a terabyte drive up in three years, probably for about 150 bucks. It, it, I mean, it, that's just how crazy it's getting as far as the price drop on memory. So that that would be my suggestion: is to go get an Airport Extreme, and then buy yourself a 500 gig or a terabyte uh, external drive that's less expensive than you know what you would have paid total for the time capsule. And now with the, the latest up, update on the Airport Extreme, you can now plug in any USB external drive and make it become a, um, make it become a time capsule device. Oh, okay. I wonder if there would be any compatibility issues with uh, the Apple uh, wireless type of routers and trying to make it work with this signal that the, uh, this Verizon unit is putting out. I've, some other people at work have told me they've had just troubles whenever they delve into the wireless world. Well, I'll, I'll, I'd like to answer that. Before I do, Michael's requested to talk again, so I'm going to put him back on the line. Michael, what you got? One, uh, I have found, as like I said in the chat room, I have had nothing but uh, Apple routers. I had it from the original UFO-looking one all the way up to the airport extreme, and they, I have never had any trouble logging on with uh, anything with PCs or Macs to my router, and it works with almost it works with DSL, cable, whatever. And I haven't had a lick of trouble with that. Okay, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I I, I would say the same thing. Now, um, obviously, Michael's had some issues that he was setting up. Now, I will tell you when I got my Airport Extreme. I tried originally and started to having started having a similar issue to what I was having before with it it not getting a connection. It looked like I was connected to the to the uh, router, but I wasn't getting internet connectivity. Uh, but all I had to do is go through the actual um, software that was installed on my Mac when I installed the uh, CD-ROM uh, with the information for the the software for the uh, Airport Extreme. Once I configured it uh, and went in and did it, changed it to manual and changed the channel from channel one to channel eleven or whatever, or vice versa. I can't remember what it was. 
that completely resolved it. And I, again, I've not had any problems. And we're using our our iPhones are connecting. Um, all of our my laptop, Stephanie's laptop, uh, is connecting. We've had friends come over with their laptops. They're connecting. So I I, I really believe that your best bet is probably an an airport extreme. Now, uh, Colin's on the line. He's requesting to talk. Colin, are you there this time? Yeah, I'm here this time. Uh, sorry, I got a seven-month-old baby that requires my attention sometimes. Hey, um, no problem. As far as my time capsule goes, I got mine about a week ago. I had uh, quite a few issues setting it up, um, but I'm also setting up a G and an N at work at the same time. Um, but recently, whenever my um, time capsule goes into backup, it takes out my Apple TV. So a little interesting glitch there. Gotcha. So, so it, appears, it, it appears to me that from what we're hearing here in the chat room is that time capsule is, is not quite ready for prime time and that they're going to have some errors and some bugs and some glitches to work out. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for the advice, and uh, hopefully in a couple months I'll get that underway. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the other question I have for you, since, since uh, going back to the original discussion there, um, the other question was you said you're using Audacity. Are you using Audacity, the Mac version of Audacity? Yes, yes. Okay. And you said you were thinking about going and upgrading to the pro version of uh, Adobe Audition. Are you looking to run that in in parallels or uh, in uh, boot camp? What are you going to do with that? Uh, just the uh, the Mac version. Oh, is there an Adobe 2.0 Adobe Audition for Mac now? Let me see. Maybe it wasn't Audition. I'm looking. I just installed a bunch of things recently. Uh, maybe it's that other Adobe, what's that called, Soundbooth. Maybe that was it. Oh, have okay. you had any experience with Soundbooth? I have not personally, uh, no. But I, I tell you, if it's anything like Adobe Audition, it, uh, Adobe Audition is amazing, and it's the one reason I will not get rid of a PC. I, I will always have a PC, and, and in my studio, PC will always be the primary com computer <clears throat> simply because of Adobe Audition 2.0. Yeah, it looks like it has a pretty steep learning curve, but uh, did you take any formal training for that, or do you think if I just play around? Well, the for me, I was able to, I mean, if you're familiar with how um, Audacity works as far as the, the timetable and, and copying and pasting, for me the Adobe Audition 2.0 was fairly similar to that. So what really gave me the hardest time as far as a learning curve was GarageBand, which I really don't like. Oh, I've heard you mention that before. <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of despise GarageBand. I mean, it will work, but it is absolutely a last resort for me. Uh, Very strange. I, yeah, it is. It is a last resort. It it you know I'm I'm hoping that you know down the road if I ever decide to switch all the way over to Mac that this. I hear there's a pro audio Mac program, but I'll tell you what, if, if GarageBand is any indication of what it might be like, I'm not even going to go around it. But I, I'll probably, probably, Logic Pro is what Brent is saying in the chat room. 
Um, so probably I'll eventually look into Logic Pro. Maybe I'll go to a, the Apple Store and see if they have it, and and see if uh, I can uh, take a look at it there. And, and if it's close enough, and they got some compression and stuff like that that it can do, then then it'll work. But I, I will tell you that um, if you're if you're brand new into any of this stuff and you've got a learning curve anyway, GarageBand will work. I mean, they have some they have some voice. Uh, compressions and they have some filters and stuff like that that you can put into the audio. So I mean, it's not completely horrible. It's just a completely different mindset of how to do user interface, and I just don't like it. I I, I like the old way, and and for me that kind of change just wasn't necessary for me. And it, I thought I, my Adobe package had come with uh, Audition, but it is Sound Booth, which looks like a stripped down version of Audition, but not very stripped down. It still looks like it will do quite a few things. So I just have to get brave and try that on one of my next podcasts or something and see how that uh, works out, Adobe Sound Booth. Very cool. All righty. So let's move on to, uh, let's see here. I think, well, okay, Colin's the only other one dialed in, and then we have uh, John, but John says he's at work. And... Uh, Let's see here. We'll go to uh, Colin. Did you have anything else that's going on uh, with your Mac world outside of running into the issues that you have uh, mentioned already? Yeah, I'm actually looking at purchasing a, another Mac, um, a laptop for myself. Uh, not really sure where I'm going to go with it, but that's my newest venture. All right. And uh, which which one are you looking at? <laughs> All three. Um, <laughs> It, it really depends. I just I recently got it, this uh, 24-inch 20, iMac, so I really don't need all the power of, of MacBook Pro, so I'm looking more towards the MacBook or the MacBook Air. Gotcha. Now, so I, I, if I'm not mistaken, when we were in the show just getting ready to start, start it up here, did somebody say something in the chat room about a MacBook Air being hacked? Yes. Okay. They had a con uh, last week. They had some kind of contest. It's you no know, what the white hat hackers do a thing, and they had a <clears throat> let's see. They had a MacBook Air, I think a Sony Vio running Vista, and I forgot what what the other one was running Ubuntu. And you know the day one, it was strictly you had to go by the you know using the net. And all of them were just locked down completely. You couldn't get in there. So day two, you can use whatever you wanted. And the air was hacked in two minutes using Safari in a, a couple of well-known holes that's in there, exploits. And um, the guy won't say exactly what he did because he's got, what's that? Uh, they signed a non-disclosure uh, document saying that they can't say a thing until... The manufacturers publish a patch and fix it, and then you can tell what you did. But it was a exploit that they used to get the air, and the guy won, got paid ten thousand dollars, and won the air. And right. they did, they did the exact same thing, if I'm not mistaken, to get the Sony running uh, Vista. They used Safari for Windows, and that same exploits in there as well. Now, do, does anybody in here use Safari? I, I, I uh, use Safari. All right, so let's let's start it off with uh, Colin. Colin, do you use Safari? 
Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. Um, and, and why do you use it? Um, honestly, for the auto-completion of <laughs> typing in addresses, I just think it's so easy. Um, and I, I actually switch between that and Firefox sometimes, um, but I mainly use Safari. Uh, one thing about that exploit is that that guy developed that exploit for three weeks prior to um, prior to the contest. So right. it's a little jaded. It, it wasn't exactly two minutes. Gotcha. So um, now uh, Brent in the chat room says he uses Safari for Windows. Now, Michael, do you use Safari? I use it because I use it for, you know, syncing with my .Mac account. But then I also got that Foxmarks that will do the exact same uh, syncing with all of my computers with Safari. So I go between the two. And like uh, Colin said, yeah, this guy knew about he knew about the, the exploit and he set it up. But he's the same one that also found the hole in Safari for the iPhone. And he just wanted, he's a big Apple fanboy, and he wanted to let Apple know that there was a problem, and he wanted to show it that it's a serious problem. And that's what he was, that's, that was his goal, really, from what I understand. Excellent. Now, now Wayne, let me ask you, what, what browser are you using? Um, on my Macs, I mostly use Safari, uh, though I do use Firefox just sometimes because it has a different set of uh, favorites and bookmarks in it, but mostly I use Safari just because of how it syncs up with uh, uh, the Safari on my iPhone. Gotcha. Okay. Well, if anybody's interested out there in podcast land, I personally do not use Safari. I despise Safari, and I really am not sure why. And if I'm not mistaken, it could simply be the little blue... Uh, indicator that tells you how far a web page has loaded. It is as simple as that. I, it, right. That thing drives me batty. So, so in essence, what happens is when I go to a website and I'm waiting for it to pull up, the address bar where the URL lies, right. it kind of it has a, a status indicator and is as it gets closer to loading the page, it, it fills with blue. And you know what? I, I hate waiting for uh, a web page to load and to sit there and show me a status bar that, that shows me it's still at one-third and slowly moving to one-half, just, it, it just drives me crazy. And I think it's a design flaw because it, my, that was my very first experience was I got my MacBook, I open it up, I launch Safari, and the first thing I do is I launch the web browser, and, and I'm browsing around the web. So what, what do you suppose happens the very first time you use a computer for, uh, ever? It, well, you don't have any cached pages, meaning that every website that you go to is going to have to load the images and download them, so every, whereas coming off of another system that you've been using for quite some time, you go to a website, you type it up, and boom, the header loads instantly, in it, and the sidebar images load instantly, and the background image loads instantly, because those are all cached. They've been downloaded before, and, and you know, it's probably been months before you, that was a brand new page and took a minute to load. 
Whereas when you open up your MacBook for the very first time, you open up Safari and you go to a web page, it takes forever to load, and of course Safari shows you how long it's taking. <laughs> and, and, and for me it was just this huge psychological thing. And, and I, I don't know what it was, but I just decided for me personally that was enough to just drive me crazy. And of course the fact is, is that you know, I've always been a Firefox user, and coming from the PC, knowing that the Firefox interface is almost 100% identical to what I've always been used to, it was very important for me as a PC to Mac switcher to have something that felt comfortable to me so it wasn't completely 100% shock when I switched over to the Mac OS. And so if anything, Firefox is that one program for me that is that little bit of a comfort zone. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. I tell you, uh, have you tried Camino? That yes, is I, a very nice uh, Mac uh, browser. I mean, Camino is one of the better ones out there, I think. Yeah, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you have, Firefox just works for me. I mean, I, will, I have to admit, just like any other program, there are bugs. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, well, actually, I would say that my, my Mac uh, version of Firefox is much more sturdy than my PC version. My PC version, not nearly as stable. Um, I will tell you that a lot of people complain about the bugs and, and the problems and issues with Firefox, but I think it has much less to do with Firefox, and it must have everything to do with the billion of plugins that they download and, and plug into the thing because I, the only plugins that I have installed, in fact, I'll look here real quick, my add-ons, I have uh, the download status bar and something called top 10 sources to help me uh, auto-post uh, some stuff about my web, uh, podcast entries onto some, some blogs out there. So I only use two add-ons, and I don't have any problems at all. Excellent. There's almost too many browsers. The Camino browser does sound interesting, but how many browsers can I have? Played a little bit with Opera, and well, the first thing on my kids' laptops that both have uh, PC, one with XP and one with Vista, was made sure I put Firefox on there and got rid of uh, IE and out of the way to protect them from themselves. Right. Well, there are a lot... Excuse me, go ahead. I was going to say there were a lot... There were, there are a lot of Mac browsers out there that are pretty doggone good. There's Flock. It's kind of a combination of Camino, Firefox, and Safari, but it, it's really simple and it's fast. There's... Uh, I'm trying to pronounce it right. There's Shirilla. It's uh, Japanese made it, and it's a it's more of a uh, Safari knockoff, but yet it's faster, and it really is much faster than any of the browsers out there that I've found. And so is Flock. It's, they're both equally fast, and they look so much alike. You know, they kind of look like Firefox, but they're not as you know you can't really skin them like you do Firefox with all the different little. Uh, themes that you can use, but Shirella and Shirella, or Shirella, something like that, and uh, Flock are two the ones I use also a lot, and I use, I've been using since I 
heard about that exploit. I've been using them the most right now. Right. Yeah, they're definitely the one thing I'll say for web browsers is I love the fact that that today you can get by and and what operating system you're running almost is for me is almost becoming irrelevant. And I'm hoping that you know 10 years from now it won't matter if you're running whatever Windows piece of junk that's out there or you know if you're running Mac or whatever everything's going to reside on the web and I think that, that would be amazing if if I could just you know I could not maybe I don't have access to what's all on my hard drive to do my processing here um on my MacBook maybe it's all at home but if I log into the web I can just go ahead and and start you know using a web application to process audio now that that may seem impossible now but no more impossible than some of the stuff that we're doing today seemed impossible five years ago. Well, I don't know if you saw um, Adobe just released Express. You can now edit photos on the web. Edit photos or video? Edit photos. Oh, really? I mean, we're not and, quite to vote it. Yeah. And and what? Where is that at? It's um. I think it's Adobe.com forward slash Express. Is that a like paid for service or is it a free service? It is a free service. So you can do all your resizing, and can you make images transparent there and everything? You know, I haven't gotten that far into it. It just came out on Thursday. Uh, well, we're getting a little bit of a scoop here. Uh, Adobe.com slash express. I'm pulling that up now. Of course, I'm using the Wi-Fi Internet access here at the public library, and I'm not getting much of anything, including my chat room right now, So, which is... Uh, Continuation of my fun Monday. I'm just glad to have you guys here, though. This is awesome. Because you know, I was really afraid that you know I was just going to come in here and say, "Hey, guys, tonight we're not having a show." So, so tell me about this express. What have what have you done in it? Anything at all? Sounds like we lost him. Anybody else seen any new technology? Has anybody tried the Evernote that we mentioned last week? No, but I did hear you talk about it. <laughs> Haven't had a chance to delve into that either. You know, it, it takes a little bit to get used to the interface, but once you do, it's it's not that bad, and or not that bad. I mean, it, it's actually really cool. Uh, I, again, I you know the the possibilities of its use are are pretty high. I mean, you can do a, quite a few things with it. I'm trying to find some some things that I do personally that it would just really boost my productivity. I haven't really had the opportunity to, to fully take effect of it or take advantage of it all yet. Yeah, there's just not enough hours in the day, it seems like. No, not especially not on a day like today. <laughs> there's too many hours in the day. <laughs> so it's actually Photoshop.com forward slash express, not Adobe. Okay, so it's Photoshop.com forward slash express. That's correct. All righty. Well, I am going to... That that is something I'm definitely going to take note of because I I well I'll tell you what I'll share with you guys because um, that, that I don't know if you guys how long you guys have been following uh, what I've been doing in my switch to the Mac uh, the audio editing obviously I you're going to be hard pressed to get me away from Adobe Audition I that one that one I just don't see me getting rid of. Uh, however, I have never been an image editing person other than the fact that I 
very often need to do a couple tasks, such as I need to be able to resize images uh, to specific pixels, uh, pixel sizes. So uh, very often I'm taking an image and I want to resize it to 270 pixels wide by 190 pixels high. It's something I just need to do consistently uh, mm -hmm. several times a day. Um, the other thing I need to be able to do is I need to be able to um, type stuff on there with multiple different fonts. Um, and I need to be able to have shadows to those fonts. And not only that, but I also need to be able to do uh, – I need to be able to like kind of outline something with my mouse and then cut, cut it and paste it somewhere else. So kind of like taking maybe a, an image of somebody uh, from one picture and cutting it just right along where they are and then pasting that image somewhere else and making it fit in. Uh, oh. Occasionally doing that kind of stuff. And then um, – and, and I've been using – a PC program for years to do this. And um, it's called ULED Photo. In fact, Photo Impact, which came free with um, a, a flatbed scanner that I bought like 13 years ago. So that's how old the software is. But the thing is, is it's always done exactly what I wanted to do in the way that I wanted to do it, right? And so why change? And so I, every new computer I get, I install that free very old software on there. And there, I just to this day, I have not found a Mac equivalent that's quote-unquote free that, that's easy to use. Now, I've heard of GIMP. I was never able to get GIMP to work. Um, GIMP's hard to get using on the Mac. Um, yeah, it's so, great on, so, in Linux. So what do you guys know that's free? Any, any Mac program that's free that will allow me to do that? don't know. Um, the cheapest I've seen would be Photoshop Elements. Um, I did log into Photoshop Express, uh, and I can run through real quickly what they have here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Pixelmator. Pixelmator. Pixelmator free? No, Pixelmator is the cheapest one. It's uh, I think forty fifty nine forty nine or fifty nine dollars. But it's it's a uh, I use it instead of Photoshop. Uh, express or express um, elements. It's it's much better than elements. I I use it all the time and it's cheaper. And okay, it really so works good. So it will do all of those things that'll allow me to do the the copy and paste and all that stuff. Uh, yes, sir. It sure does. It does every, it does everything elements does. Okay. Uh, it, excuse me. Go ahead. So, and, the, and the one thing that I've wanted to be able to do that I haven't been able to do with the program that I currently have, by the way, um, just so you know, what I've been doing on my Mac, uh, I've been using a, a, a program called Pick, or not a program, but a website called PickResizer, or no, PickResize.com. That is P-I-C-R-E-S-I-Z-E.com, PickResize.com. And it's real simple. You go to pickresize.com. You simply you hit the Browse button to browse to where the picture is on your drive. You click the Upload button. And then you can, you, can, you can resize. You can crop. You can rotate. You can play around with the brightness, the contrast. You can put some text on there. Uh, I mean, th there are a bunch of different little easy things. But honestly, I, I find myself cropping and then resizing to 270 by 190 
and then saving down the image back to my hard drive. So that's what I've been using. But now I'm going to, I am going to take a look at this Adobe Photoshop Express, which you wanted to tell me a little bit about it, right? Uh, I was just going to go over a couple things that are in there for anybody that's listening. Um, you are able to adjust um, the crop it, but you can't actually crop it to a specific size. Um, you would have to like drag it, and so you can't just like plug in the um, plug in the numbers that you want it to go to. Oh, that's what a design flaw that would be. Well, here's the thing: it's free, and I think they're just wanting you to get to. It's like a, an enhanced version of Flickr, is what yeah. Adobe Express is. Gotcha. Um, it's not meant to be a full CS3 version or right. even Photoshop Elements. But but uh, even but even that, I mean, recycle. You know, cropping is there, there are, in my opinion, there are there are three elements that I think are basic image editing elements. That I mean, it's the most basic of basic. Number one, or, or maybe there's four. Uh, there's there's crop. There's resize, there's uh, brighten and contrast, and then rotate. In, in my opinion, th uh, those are four basic functions that should be a part of everything. And uh, of course, I understand resizing. You can grab it and drop it and uh, drag it to a certain size or bring it down yeah. to a certain size. But, being a, but with today's web, you know, building and putting web things together, I mean, you just don't want to eyeball some things, you know? So I, I, I just I couldn't have been too hard for them to just be able to plug that in. But when, let me ask you this: When you're dragging it, does it tell you what size you're dragging it to? No, it does not. Um, oh. It has like little boxes, and it resizes those. Um, but here's the thing: I think because it, they have it the share feature, so I think they want you to edit and then share like you would with Flickr. I don't think it's really meant for you to take it and go somewhere else. As far as what it's what it's actually used for, um, but a couple of the tools that they do have here um, is crop and rotate, auto correct, exposure, red eye removal, touch up, saturation, white balance, highlight, fill light, sharpen focus, uh, pop color, hue, black and white, tint, stretch, uh, sketch, and distort. So, I mean, for a free product on the web, it's not that bad. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, not to discount it, but uh, wow, it just—I I think it, it, it's almost there. But let, okay, going back to this Pixelmator, is anybody using Pixelmator? Who was who was Michael? Is that you? You said you use Pixelmator. Yes, I I put the link in the fact I put a link in the chat room for Pixelmator. It does pretty much what uh, Elements does and Summit. It almost does quite a bit of stuff that uh, Photoshop itself does, the CS3. There's a lot of you know you know stuff in it that it really does and does well, and it's uh, uh, it is um, really nice. It's it's there's not much of a learning curve like there is with uh, Photoshop. It's pretty straightforward, and there's you know it's uh, I just think it's, I just think it's easy to use. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, here's one question for you, and I don't know if you'll have the answer to this, uh, because I, you know, I wouldn't mind paying fifty bucks for a program that'll allow me to to do the the resizing and stuff like that, that that'll work really well. Here's the question: the one I would not pay for a program unless it gave me this feature, 
and that is um, that it will do all the things that I mentioned, the four things that I mentioned before, but it would also have the ability to take whatever the background is and make that transparent so that it's like a transparent PNG file. So that, you know, let's just say I'm designing a button and this button has a white background. And I want to make that white background transparent so that if I actually take the button and decide to put it on something that has a black background on the web, then that button, that none of the white's going to show through. It's going to be transparent. I'm looking at it, and I believe it does. I'm looking at the specs for Pixelmator right now. I'm on their site, and I believe it does do that. Gotcha. Because that, that for me is something I think is essential. And, I, and, and something right now, um, I've been, you know, anytime I need an image that's, in, uh, that, that's transparent in the background, I'm sending it over to my graphics guy to, to do it for me. So I've almost been considering, you know, buying Photoshop, but gosh, the thing is I don't do anything that would re really require Photoshop. Right. Right. Anyway, well, folks, it is 7.53, and uh, let's see here, layers, I'm looking at what you put in here, layers-based imaging, editing, create new, uh, duplicate, delete, rename, what is it? hide layers. So it does do layers, that's cool. And it does do transparency. And it does do And And you say the, the layout and the design, the user interface is pretty good? Yes, it's very easy to uh, to run. It's a uh, it, it's a universal binary. It was one of the first ones before it came out when everybody was complaining about Photoshop not being universal. It's still being PowerPC, so that's why they g did this is to get you know their foot in the door with uh, the Intel's. Yeah. So and and uh, I can pull up an image and I can uh, say, hey, I want this image to be resized down to 270 by 190 pixels. It, it's pretty easy to do that. Yeah, so it will go wherever you want it to do. Absolutely. And I think, it, I think like, also like uh, Photoshop, if you put it where you change one, it changes the other one accordingly. Uh, what do you mean by that? All right, say so if you want to change the height, uh -huh. It would oh. it would automatically change the width to the right yes. si to the right height. I mean, right width and everything. So, so everything is linked. Proportion. It keeps right. all the proportions uh, the same. However, is and the big thing for me is the option there to not keep the same proportion, meaning that I want it to be distorted down and squeezed down into that size. Yeah, it, you have just like in Photoshop, you can turn it off. Good, you good, just good. click, you know, the little checkbox, you click it, turn it off, or you turn it on. So that's $50. That, that sounds to me like a piece of software that I'll purchase. And you know what? Because it will do everything that my ULED will do, plus it will do the transparency, it may actually cause me to do all of my image editing on the Mac side. Because at this point, I don't have, I've not had any program on the PC side that will make that transparency work. Uh, I realize there's a lot of paid stuff out there, but I just never have paid for it. Well, it GIMP works on PC. What is it? GIMP should work on the PC. So, so GIMP will do that pretty easily? Is Now, I heard GIMP has a very steep learning curve. 
GIMP's uh, Photoshop kind of learning curve. Okay. It does. So if you also, use GIMP, you can use Photoshop. But with also with GIMP, you have to use X11, if I'm not mistaken, unless they've changed that. Because I know at one time you had to uh, install X11 for it to run right. And yeah, I don't know if they've changed that. Yeah, that's on the Mac side. I'm talking about it's for the, on the Mac side, X11. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I know. Michael, yeah, that's just specifically for the Mac um, and Linux. I think they did come right. out with a PC version. Uh, oh, PC, yeah. It, it's, it's poor, it, PC works even better than it does on the Mac. Okay. Well, I'll, and GIMP is free, right? Yes, sir. All right, so... I'll tell you what, this, believe it or not, I, I think that this has been a very valuable conversation. Uh, I, this, this has been good stuff. I think we've had some great conversation. I think that, that the people that listen to this afterwards will, will get some value out of it as well. The only thing is, of course, it's got the telephone quality because I am using TalkShoe to record. So other than that, um, very good episode. I, I really want to say thank you to each of you guys out there for uh, for helping me get through this show and and uh, bringing some valuable conversation and uh, making this thing happen. Oh, you're welcome, Cliff. You're very welcome. Yeah, it's fun for us too. So very cool. Well, hey, um, we'll be back next week, and of course, we will have Chris back uh, on Skype and ready to answer all your questions. Uh, we are in need of help. I got a Mac question. Now, maybe you are a brand new Mac user and you have no idea what you're doing. Uh, is there a program that you've been using for years on the PC that you just wish there was a Mac alternative for? Give us a call. Ask the question. Is there some kind of issue that you're having where you can't figure out why Control-V, Control-C, and Control-X is not working to do your cut, copy, and paste? Give us a call and ask the question. Uh, perhaps maybe uh, you're thinking about buying a Macintosh computer. You're really scared, but you know you hate Vista uh, like the Black Plague, like you should. And so therefore, uh, you have some questions about what it might be like and, and, and will certain programs run or what, what is available. Whatever your question is, please call us. And maybe, just maybe, you are listening to this podcast and you are a seasoned Mac user and you've been using Macs all your entire life, there's one thing I'm certain of. You know people that ask you questions all the time, some misconceptions about the Mac. Whatever questions those are, just even if you're a seasoned Mac user, would you do us a favor, give us a call, and say, hey, I'm a seasoned Mac user, and one of the questions that I'm commonly asked, or one of the things that commonly is mistaken uh, among people who are who are against buying a Macintosh is this. Will you please give us a call? Let us know what those are. We'd love to have you be a part of our show. It's basically what this show is all about, answering your questions and giving people answers all about the Mac Switcher. We're not going to sit here and talk about how to get into the roots of the core programming and how to, to do line-by-line -line coding with the back end of the command line entry and and all the, we're not going to get into any of that stuff here. We're all about the basics of joining the Mac community, of, of getting over to the Macintosh, finding out how it can work for you, and if it can work for you. So anyway, uh, that's what we're all about. 
please give us a call. The phone number is area code 859-795-4067. Again, that phone number 859-795-4067. And uh, we'll be glad to get your question into the show. Until next time, God bless. We'll see you next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on TalkShoe.com, TalkCast ID 4776. Bye-bye.